listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza. Only on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Answers for the Family. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza, and the beautiful female voice you hear is my co-host, Dr. Melody Fox. Well, thank you very much. You're really <laughs> sweet. How was your weekend this week? It was wonderful. We had a great weekend, and it's just beautiful here. Oh, it is beautiful. I mean, I don't know where anybody else is, but it's been 80, 83 degrees. That's right. And it's wintertime. That's right. Beautiful <laughs> Southern California. Uh, I just want to remind everybody that each week we will bring you guests that can inspire, educate, and entertain you while bringing answers and options to raising children today and in our constantly changing future. And as you know, Melody, the holiday season is here, and bringing with it is the expectations based on Norman Rockwell paintings, sentimental Christmas movies, verses from popular holiday songs, and memories of years gone by. The holidays are often portrayed as magical. A time when dreams come true. And wouldn't it be great if it was always the case? But, you know, unfortunately, more often than not, holiday expectations are unrealistic and consequently stress-provoking at times. And during the holiday, a lot of things are surrounded by food. Food is often the focus of most activities. There's an abundance of holiday foods, you know, combined with the added stress of the season. That can result in a lot of emotional eating, I found. And by definition, the act of eating is in response to emotional trigger. Basically, it's using food to manage a mood. And how we could avoid the trap of emotional eating this holiday season is basically what we'll be talking about today. And our guest today will discuss simple strategies, uh, some related to food itself, while others are related to the season. So, you know, I think that's, you know, something that we definitely need to talk about today. But our guest today, without further ado, is Dr. Dina Cabrera. She's a licensed clinical psychologist and has been on staff at Bermuda Ranch Treatment Centers for over 11 years. And Dr. Cabrera is an expert in psychodiagnostic assessment and treatment of eating disorders and access to pathology. And she presents to national audiences on state-of-the-art treatments for difficult mental health problems and eating disorders. So, Dr. Cabrera, welcome to Answers to the Family. For the family. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, it's and it's it's great to have you here, uh, and I think uh, as Melody said, this this is an important subject, and the timing is is right for it. Yes, absolutely. I think that um, it's exciting. You know, I think the year has gone so fast, at least for me. So when I put up my Christmas tree yesterday, I was like thinking, didn't I just do this? Uh, <laughs> but it is here, and and we have to embrace it because it's either going to be here with us or without us. <laughs> so well, exactly. I think that, yes. Yeah, and I was going to say, and that's actually another subject too, and that is, is for us as we get a little older, it seems like, we blink and time goes by faster and faster to the point that, um, you know, with the Christmas stuff, I realized that this year I hadn't put the, the Christmas tree that's in a box. It's it's not a live one. Um, mm-hmm. It went it went under the stairs rather than up in the attic because it seemed like by the time I realized that I hadn't put it up in the attic, it was time to put it up again. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> and well, also when they start putting Christmas things in the stores when it's not even, it used to be at Thanksgiving and now it's, 
Halloween. They yeah. have things up for Christmas. It just amazes me. We lose half a year just celebrating getting ready for Christmas. That is true. That is true. And I think that's why uh, often there's a lot of stress that uh, people don't realize because the time has come so fast and we're expected to do so much. And then with the marketing of Christmas earlier and earlier, uh, we feel kind of like, you know, it's it's just going so fast. It's just washing us over. And so I have some, some simple strategies and maybe some, you know, obvious, but I think that oftentimes that we neglect to take care of these and do these practices. Uh, and so we can talk about that through the rest of the show. Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then wh- why don't you share with us some of the main stressors that, that people do encounter during the holiday season? Well, at Ramuda Ranch, in our eating and anxiety program, which uh, is a time, you know, oftentimes people uh, will come into treatment uh, because they're suffering from an eating disorder or struggling with emotional eating uh, because of the stress of the family environment or because of the stress of, of what food, you know, the food at the holidays. And so I've learned from so many of my patients and clients that what often triggers them at this time is that they're trying to do too much. Uh, they're spending too much, and then with the the family dynamics, oftentimes it triggers them either to be overeating, uh, which is what we're talking about today, the emotional aspect of, of eating, or they're restricting, meaning they're not eating enough because food is such a triggering uh, stress um, stressor for them that they just kind of check out and don't you know want to even be around food. So it is a significant issue, and it can be a difficult time. Oftentimes what happens is, is uh, families bring, uh, you know, not for all, but for some families, it tends to be a little draining or it's too much togetherness or maybe not enough. Maybe fa- this type of time, this time during the season, it brings about memories maybe of a, a lost loved one or just distance. Maybe can't get home during this time. And so that in and of itself can bring about, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, um, fear, uh, perhaps maybe just plain loneliness. And so oftentimes when people are prone to eating, especially emotionally, in fact, we had a statistic from American Psychological Association that in general about 30 to 40% of women tend to eat for comfort. But then during the holidays, that percentage raises about 10%. Wow, that, that is huge. Yes, yes. And do you think that has a lot to do with that there's more food available at that time? I mean, you go to the offices, everybody brings in potlucks and cookies and cakes and all that as well? Or Ab- Absolutely, absolutely. I think just, uh, you know, people tend, it's just historically and just what we tend to do is people tend to show their love, show their um, holiday spirit through food. It's a time that we don't, you know, traditionally don't eat that pumpkin pie or that, you know, chocolate pecan pie. But during the holidays, that's the time to make it. And we are around so much more food. And then what happens is, is during the season, the anxiety, you know, during the season because we are so busy going to Christmas plays or programs or school projects, uh, parties, we tend to neg- neglect or negate our um, our health in a sense that we maybe are losing more sleep or not we out of our exercise routine and we're taking in more calories so all that sets one up for um, you know eating mindlessly and also gaining weight during the holidays oh, they say about average you probably heard this about an average person gains about seven pounds during the holiday I, I, I thought it was a lot more actually <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> well and, and I'll tell you, the, the, there's another one, too, and it says the average person gains about seven pounds a week on a cruise. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that I believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I was curious, you know, about all this eating. I know you specialize with people with eating disorders, and I know people that don't have disorders still tend to eat a little bit more and that emotional eating. But the holidays, I would imagine, are a particularly a difficult time for individuals struggling with an eating disorder. And what are some of the common struggles with food for them during this time and why? Well, I think it's um, for someone who is very sensitive. Well, anybody who has an eating disorder is probably sensitive to uh, family kind of being the food police or watching their behaviors. And what we see for those who come in because of the, the stress of the holidays uh, and it tends to exacerbate their eating disorders, they tell us that, you know, the family coming together, everybody's happy, everybody, you're in, in there's kind of this expectation that you're supposed to be, you know, joyful. It's, you know, tis the season and it's the most wonderful time of the year. And for them, inside, they're depressed. They're lonely, they're disconnected from their body, and they're, it's that expectation that they're supposed to be feeling happy, but inside they're really disconnected, sad, and lonely. And so that's one of the things that they tell me. And then just the being around the food, and here their body may be telling them, gosh, I'm really hungry, I'm really starving, I really want that you know, cookie, or even just you know, that piece of ham, or whatever it may be, but... Uh, that's that, that's their head or their body saying, I'm hungry, but on the other side it says, you can't eat, you're fat, you're stupid, you're ugly. If you eat, you'll gain 100 pounds. So there's that dichotomy, that fight, that battle that's going on in, in them saying, if you eat, you're going to get fat. And, and so the food, just that constant... Um, Surrounding of food and family just brings all those emotions up, and it just can be a disaster, recipe for disaster. Uh, now, Dina, you you mentioned about uh, like with women, you gave percentages in regards to to women in this situation. How does this relate to children? How are they at risk, and is that something that's increasing as well? Uh, that's a great question, and yes, children and men. I don't want to forget about men because the the statistics say among men about 25% uh, report comfort eating after holidays and, and during the holidays. Uh, so that also is an increase as compared to, I think it's about 19% during the rest of the year, the time during the holidays does exacerbate for men as well. For children also, I think that uh, oftentimes we, we kind of get into this mindset, oh, they're children, let them eat cookies, it's Christmas, and that's fine. I, I agree with that. Get them involved in baking, get involved in the holiday cooking. That's all really fun uh, and, and important time for families gathering together. But we also have to remember balance, variety, and moderation, not only for ourselves, but for our children, that they need to have balance, uh, that you don't want to, they themselves can be um, at risk to emotionally eat, particularly if they're, you know, the family tends to be a, a stressful time, say there's divorce and they're going back and forth between parents or there's a lot going on at school, you know, programs that they're involved in. And so they can feel the stress of the holidays as well. And if they tend to be prone to overeat or emotionally eat, then remember it's going to be exacerbated during the holiday time. So everybody kind of needs to get, uh, I wouldn't say structure, but some type of 
consistency and structure in the home and be more in tune and more mindful during the holiday season, particularly for children. Don't forget, don't don't negate, you know, getting out and getting exercise. It's a little bit harder in the cold. We don't have to worry about that because we can go out and ride our bikes in 80-degree weather, but some of those back east may have more difficult time. And so exercise routine definitely get put on the shelf during this time of the season. And we want, have to figure out ways to get children more involved, but do it as a family. I think that could be really beneficial to the whole family. Well, how important is it for a family to focus on food and make it like you're eating too much or eating too little and making that a focal point and even increase the anxiety for a child of eating too much or too little? Or, you know, what, what is a good balance there, I guess? That is a good question. I get that asked all the time. How do I control my children's intake? Do I, you know, do I tell them, you know, I think you've had enough? You know, how do you go about, you know, dealing with that? And it really is is important. I think we have to make dietary changes in our in our home and I think it is the parents' responsibility to have healthy options available. Uh, so, you know, for example, increasing intake of foods and vegetables, having those options available. And teaching our children to eat when they're hungry, stop when they're full, that's very hard sometimes because oftentimes they'll eat a whole meal and then they'll say, I'm still hungry, which is what my daughter does sometimes. And so having some, you know, let's wait the 15-minute rule, uh, let's have a, a healthy dessert, or if you're still hungry, let's, you know, let's choose this option as opposed to this. I kind of gauge my children. The way I do is I gauge, you know, what, what have you had today? For example, have they had a lot of fruits and vegetables? If not, then I say, you know, how about an apple? I, it doesn't seem like you've had any fruit today. Or how about some carrots? So I give them lots of options, uh, but within the realm of balanced variety and moderation. Because I say, you know, I, did you have a lot of carrots today? I mean, this is not usually the case, but I, I kind of joke about it. If you can't eat too many carrots, you'll, too, you'll turn orange. Um, so, but I'll say, you know, maybe, yeah, sure, you can have that cookie. And in my head, I kind of think, oh, she probably had those carrots for lunch. Or, so I'm kind of engaging it in my head, balance, variety, and moderation. But I don't restrict anything. No, you can never have a cookie or you can never have that chocolate. Um, I put food in its place. And I have them, you know, kind of try to step up and say and make those choices, for example. But it is hard when they come to us and they say, I'm still hungry, I'm still hungry. And I hear a lot of parents, you know, what did you, I think sometimes we just have to say, you know, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait because I think that that was a really big meal. And I bet within 20 or 30 minutes you're going to feel content. Sometimes kids aren't content because they're not eating the right kinds of proteins and carbs, so maybe they're just eating food that's really not nutritionally filling them up. So, yes, they may be hungry. So you have to look at that as well. It gets kind of complicated. Well, I was just thinking back to my childhood of growing up. I was told I ate like a horse. I was a hollow leg. My stepdad used to tell me it's like you're from the was it the Yellow Submarine movie of that guy at the bottom of the floor sucking up everything, the, the <laughs> vacuum cleaner man? You know? it was right. like, I, I was that kid, and I was thin as a rail, but I could just 
eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And it didn't matter what I was eating, whether it be carbs or fruits or vegetables. I was just a hungry kid. Well, I think that's a great point. And that goes into what I just say. It's a little bit complicated because some kids have an incredible fast metabolism. We noticed that in Bermuda when we had, a, or we have our children's program, a lot of our children who come in who are underweight and malnourished, they need a tremendous amount of calories, up to 4,000 calories sometimes, to just to just restore back to their normal weight. And so children do need, I know my kids on Saturday were at a birthday party at these bouncy places, these bounce, jump and bounce or whatever they are. Right. And, you know, they got out of there. What's the first thing they said? I'm hungry. <laughs> they just probably burned like about, you know, 10,000 calories. <laughs> and so you have to take that into mind. You know, if your kid, if you kind of just notice that, gosh, they're burning a lot of calories, they're really hungry. Um, and, and you have to kind of be there to meet those needs. It really is a balance. It really is tough. And um, I just like to, you know, kind of follow those guidelines of, you know, what what is my kid's disposition, temperamental disposition, and how does that fit into balance, variety, and moderation? Well, is there a way to educate the kids, though? Because I think right now, I mean, I can think, you know, I had the fast metabolism, my kids have the fast metabolism, but yet, you know, I can go to the schools and see that obviously that's not the case with everybody right. is is there a, a good method to teach kids to understand you know look you know your metabolism is such that you can eat this whereas the child right next to you's metabolism is so much different that they can't do the same thing well i um that's a great question and there's a great book and i can i mention the book that Absolutely. i think you know, help, making healthy food choices easy, you know, helping, you know, it's geared toward teens, but I think it could be at any age. Um, it's called I'm Like So Fat, and it's by Diane Newmark Steiner, and it's helping your teen make healthy choices. And in answering these questions on how to improve nutritional intake, how to make healthy choices at school, and, and what to be aware of and what, you know, to avoid. And it really is starts in the home. I really feel that we have to, uh, you know, really start kind of the education about food, about uh, emotional eating, about eating too much, eating too little in the home. And then we let them go, and then they just have to make their own choices. Uh, and hopefully those are going to be some good choices at some point, you know, during their career. I think kids go through stages. Uh, and so we have to be able to be respect those stages as they're growing and learning. Sometimes they're going to eat a lot. And, and sometimes they're not going to be that hungry. Uh, but this is a great book, for a guide for parents, how to answer these tough questions, because I know in this time frame we don't have a lot of time, but helping them plan ahead, helping them, uh, getting them involved, you know, having a variety of home food choices at home, looking at eating patterns. It's really a good book. Well, I have to say, I, I like the title, and as soon as you said, I'm like so fat, I just flew back into the groups I do with teens, and the, it there's always at least one teen that will come out and say that almost every group. So, I mean, I know we're talking, that's probably their body image and how they see themselves. Mm -hmm. And I was just curious, too, is there a difference between uh, pathological, say, eating disorder and emotional eating? Or can you share with us what exactly emotional eating is? Sure, sure, yes. Well, uh, any eating disorder, anybody working with eating disorders will tell you that it is emotional eating, I mean, or lack of, uh, you know, emotional la not eating. And uh, But particularly when we mention emotional eating in the field, what we're really talking about is someone who is using food to alter their emotional state. Uh, 
oftentimes those with depression, anxiety, you know, any stress-induced uh, disorder, they're using food to alter uh, that emotional state. And that's kind of what food does in, de- does in many situations or in all situations. Uh, it's a way that people cope with negative feelings because what happens is, is food um, alters your mood and emotional predisposition. So it, it typically reduces irritability, increases calmness, and that's why people tend to gravitate toward those high fat, high sugar foods, because it tends to increase their um, uh, serotonin, for example. So, and like, it, so I'm sorry, I yes. was just thinking, so when somebody breaks up, you always see in the movies, they go grab a whole, not even a pint, but a gallon of ice cream, and they <laughs> yeah. sit down and they heat it all up. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a reason for that. It's kind of a joke. You know, I heard that, uh, I, there was one thing I heard, oh, I have a date with Tom and Jerry since my boyfriend got me, <laughs> and the t- you know what the Tom and Jerry was. Yeah, so exactly. uh, that's the joke, but... Um, it, it, there's a truth truth to that. We know that you know d- chocolate, you know, increases our serotonin, makes us feel calm, makes us feel less irritable, and so it works. And so what happens is, is people get into that cycle. They feel depressed, they feel anxious, they eat, it helps them feel better, and they tend to gravitate to those foods that uh, are, you know, obviously weight weight they gain weight off of. And and I think that's what we have to be aware of. Uh, during the holiday season, if if you tend to be an emotional eater anyway, then more food, more stress, it's just set, setting you up for uh, more emotional eating. And that's why we have to step back and say, gosh, um, I know this is going to be a, a tough time because I'm going to be around all these, you know, events or uh celebrations, and I have to be aware what my tendency is. So we have to really know ourselves uh, that I have a tendency to do this. We all have a tendency to do it, I think. Eat mindlessly, overindulge in food, particularly during Thanksgiving. Um, but if, if we kind of go into it saying, you know what, I'm just going to eat all I want, then that's not healthy. It doesn't make your, you feel good about yourself, and physically you don't feel good in your body when you tend to let go like that. So some people really need to pull back and be mindful, uh, take steps, you know, how they're going to approach that that celebration or that holiday uh, party and practice self-care. Know when to say no. Mm -hmm. And um, you don't have to do everything. You don't have to go to everything or eat all the food. You can kind of set set it up beforehand. I always say planning ahead is your best defense uh, in helping you with, with everything, with, you know, just approaching the holidays, approaching food, approaching life uh, with um, at least as much, you know, calmness and joy as you possibly can. Yeah, I just I just find a little self-disclosure here. It's like when I was a kid, I could eat everything and anything, but I still have that idea I could still do that, and I know I can't. My metabolism is nowhere near it was when I was a teenager or in my 20s or even early 30s. So it, I find it very hard to be aware of it and be conscious of it because I don't want to be conscious of it. I just want to eat like I used to. Yeah, these are... That is interesting. It's a good discussion because part of what I talk about is is that balance between being aware, being mindful, and some people have to be even more mindful because they'll eat unconsciously. They'll find themselves just kind of eating and grazing, and before they even get to the dinner, they're full, you know, because of all the you know the grazing and appetizer, especially if they're baking. Um, so there's that balance between being aware being mindful, but also putting food in its place 
and not letting it have control over you and not being so worried about it. Like everything you put in your mouth, you're going to gain weight. There is that balance because at the one end of the continuum, you're talking about someone with anorexia who's worried about every single thing. I had a patient who was afraid to put lipstick on because of the oils and the lipstick she was in gain weight. I mean, that's the extreme, mm-hmm. but it, it, it dieting and Stress with food and emotional eating can lead to extreme behaviors because it induces a fear. And that fear is oftentimes uh, channeled through food. So we have one in the continuum of those who are really restrictive and so far concerned about the food that they put into their mouth and those who on the other end of the continuum who don't even know, well, diet after the holidays. You know, so we have to really kind of, you have to, that's why I say know thyself. You know, be aware of how you are. If you're overly concerned about food and gaining weight, then try to practice balance and variety and putting food in its place and don't giving it too much, you know, focus. If you tend to be less focused on food and, and be unconscious about how you approach food and you eat mindlessly, then maybe you need to have a more structure in your life. It just depends on who you are and what you need for you. Well, I, have, um, oh, I was just going to say, I have to say, it makes it really hard for me because I love recipes, I love cooking, I love cooking for other people, and, you know, food... I think I revolve around food, and I always have my entire life, and that's something I really enjoy. So trying to get into a different mindset of not cutting out every recipe and thinking I'm going to do everything is really difficult. Yeah, well, does it, but does it cause you stress? Does it control your life? Does it um, make you, you know, really go in, you know, create a lot of depression, anxiety? I mean, I think those are some of the questions. Like, when is it because it's the holiday and you're enjoying it and this is the time? And when is it becoming really dysfunctioning in your life during this time? When is it causing problems? I think it's when the pants are too tight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Dina, I've got a question now. And I think what I want to do is I want to ask the question. We're going to take a break and we'll come right back. But how does someone know if they're struggling with emotional eating? So how does the person know themselves? And how does does someone like us who maybe isn't doing it but we know somebody else is, how do you get that message to them without insulting them? So if I can Hmm. leave you with that question and we will come back to that uh, after uh, one minute. Founded over 25 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis, West Shield specializes in resolving adolescent issues that negatively impact the family. From preteen to young adult, we are experienced and qualified to help. We offer solutions which include referrals to a network of top professionals internationally that we work very closely with in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, and psychiatry. Our in-home crisis intervention care program helps to stabilize families and bring effective resolution. We are supported by our licensed investigation company that enables us to offer legal and expert services for locating runaway teens and more. Our therapeutic transportation services help to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely provided transportation to specialized schools and programs with unmatched experience and success. Simply put, West Shield Adolescent Services is the best solution when your family is facing personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585 and let us help you. All right, we're back. We are <laughs> we are talking with Dr. Dina Cabrera and the subject is 
holiday eating, or in some cases, overeating. Um, now, Dina, I know that uh, when we left you, the question was, how does someone know if they're struggling with emotional eating, and how do those of us that maybe see it in somebody else, how do we relay that message to them without insulting them? I think that's a good question. I, emotional eating are those who tend to really eat, you know, kind of out of control, um, perhaps they're alone. Most of the patients that I talk to at Ramuda Ranch, they are alone when they eat, particularly emotional eating, they're binge eating, and they don't ever feel satisfied, uh, not only physically with the food that they're eating, but emotionally. And they also tend to be very shameful in eating this food. So often I have a friend who's an emotional eater, and even though it's not something that we've talked about directly, I know that she tends to binge at night, and probably she, in fact, one time she told me that she tends to eat between 11 and 2 in the morning. So she's by herself. She um, feels very extreme, out of control when she's eating or binging, and she's very lonely and shameful about this. So those are kind of the signs. And, you know, approaching someone, particularly a loved one, maybe a husband or even a mother who's approaching someone that they're concerned about, it is very difficult and a sensitive issue because oftentimes the person will interpret that as the per- even though they may be saying different words in their head, what they're hearing is, you think I'm fat and you think I'm ugly right. and you want me to stop and lose weight. And that is very tricky for someone who's concerned. And so what I always tell loved ones is to say, you know, this is, oftentimes they may not see it, but this is what I've seen. I've seen uh, that emotionally you're feeling down or you're more anxious. And I noticed that um, you know, you're using means like food to control this depression. You know, maybe you should get some support and help for yourself. I know, and turn it like I, I, I feel bad, or it's turn it on you. Like I feel sad that you are depressed, or I feel sad that you are really having difficult times coping. I want to see you get some support. Don't try to be the food police. Don't blame them or attack them, uh, and be. Uh, sensitive to the fact that they may be angry at you because this is a real shameful issue for them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. But I always go back to saying, say, you know, go, come from a concerned place, not a blaming or judgmental place. Well, no wonder you're fat. You know, you eat all night. You know, or no, don't be complaining about your weight. You're the one that's having problems. You know, you have to avoid stuff like that because that doesn't help. Well, um, and I would think, too, if, if they felt like they were being attacked because they were eating too much, I know for me, I'd probably just want to eat more. Well, uh, and that's what happens. It just right. per- uh, perpetuates the cycle. Right. And then and, and as a male, I mean, if, if I were talking to a female in regards <laughs> to it, tricky. no matter no matter how I tried uh, to me, no matter how I would try to word it, I think it's still going to come out, like you said, of all they're going to hear is I'm eating too much. He must be saying I'm fat. And, and, and it may not be that at all. It may be that I'm, I'm, noticing, I'm noticing the stress and I'm trying to, to address the stress, but I think you're right. All they're going to hear is they're saying I'm fat. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep food out of the conversation. Don't let it be about the food because it really isn't about the food. It's about the relationship with the food. And, and that's where we have to get, you know, keep food in its place. Don't let it be about, oh, you're, just, you're eating all the wrong things or, you know, and, and trying to give advice about how they should eat. 
the best advice is to get some support. You know, you know, help, mm-hmm. find a dietitian that can help you get some balance, variety, and moderation in their lives, and or get emotional support through a therapist. Uh, when, because this is a real serious issue when, when people loathe themselves and are depressed because of body image dissatisfaction or they're eating out of control because, and so physiologically they feel just bad because of the raw, the foods that they're eating. You know, that's a real serious issue. I mean, it, it permeates everything they do in their life, particularly their identity. So I think it's really important to give that advice like, I love you, I can care about you, I really want to see you happy and, and content. Please get some help, and, uh, and how can I help you with that? Yeah, I, th- I think that's the best way to approach someone. I, I, I like that. I think that makes good sense. Uh, I, I want to touch on some of our listener questions and comments, and uh, I'm going to read one. We have one that says, uh, I have noticed over the years that during the holidays, people overindulge on almost everything as if there were no tomorrow, food, drink, and spending almost habitually. It is a cultural attitude that I believe has been permeated by the media. Do you have any words of wisdom for those of us who would like to have a healthier physical and emotional experience? I think that is a great question. I mean, we can just look at the marketing of Christmas and all the stores. I mean, January 1st, what are you going to see in the newspapers as far as articles and television commercials is the, the sales that they're having on gym memberships and treadmills and elliptical machines. All of that will go on sale. Watch. Just watch your papers for advertisements on that kind of, um, you know, the focus on health because everybody's going to go now and their New Year's resolution is to lose 10 pounds or 100 pounds, uh, um, you know, after the holidays. And so I think that's a good point that it's so important to remember uh, what is the purpose for the season? Be aware of marketing tactics and techniques. They want you to fall. It's you know for all these you know gimmicks and, and you know spending because they want you to believe that if you buy that one gift, it's going to mean all the difference. Well, we have to step back and have media literacy. Understand what what's the purpose of advertisement? What's the purpose of the commercial? Power and money, right? It's mm-hmm. to make money. So if we can one, that's one. Remember that. Mm-hmm. To what's the meaning in the season? What are you mostly going to remember? And uh, I remember, you know, last year. I mean, this is a perfect example. My five-year-old opens all these presents, and then, you know, 20 minutes later, he's in the corner playing with all the boxes. Right. He's building a fort out of the boxes. And I look at my husband. I said, well, all we had to do is get him some boxes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thousands and thousands of dollars that are spent each year. And and so pulling back, I'm not saying wrap up boxes for your kids, <laughs> <laughs> although I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Um, you know, but what is really what is really important about the holidays, and and what's the meaningful? And so stepping back and really finding meaning in the season, I think, is really important. Absolutely, and and I like the fact that this this listener brought the question in regards to something that's being perpetrated by the media. And I know one of the things that I did with my kids when they were very little was that they were to make a list in regards to what it was they wanted, but they had to be able to say where they found out about it. It had to be somewhere other than television. Oh, that's a good oh, idea. Oh, that's a good one. So, so from that standpoint, if whatever they were bombarded with from the television, if that's the only place they had heard about it, then then that couldn't be on the list. You can't ask for that. Uh, if they said that they were over at their friend's house and they got a chance to play with it and they really liked it, okay, then that was fine. 
but not just because it was seen on television. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had that. That's good. Yeah, you see skits sometimes about that about you know, the parents get what's on the TV and then 2 seconds later the kid throws it aside and the commercial's on for the next version. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that fun. They get it home it's like, gosh, the kids on TV, it looked like so much fun when they were playing with it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you know, it and it does nothing. <laughs> That's a great teaching tool. I mean, that's a great time to teach your kids because I've done that. We've seen games on the television, and we have the game at home. And I'll, my daughter made a comment. She's nine, and she said, wow, we have that game, but it doesn't look that much fun, or it isn't that much fun at home. I said, see? I said, see how commercials work to get your attention and want to make you go out and buy the game, but in reality, it's not that much fun. I do that a lot to help you know, children, my patients, at Ramuda Ranch to, to kind of just have that discrepancy between what they're presenting on television and what you're, what's reality, fantasy versus reality. Right, and that includes eating the cookies and having it look yes. so good. And I want to get back to another listener question, which actually touches on what you had mentioned a few moments ago, but it says, over the holidays, I find myself eating so much more because of the stress and the availability of food. And then on January 1st, I do the traditional list of resolutions that last about a month. How can I break this habit and make lasting change of my behavior? How can I what? I'm sorry. Oh. I clicked. How can I break this habit and make a lasting oh. change of my behavior? Well, don't get out. I think the first thing, and I have to give myself this advice too, is don't say I'm going to wait till after the holidays you know, start today. How can I, you know, get back into my exercise routine, practice self-care, and prepare for a healthy holiday? Uh, I think that that is the first thing is to say, I, you know, acceptance. I know this is going to be stressful because the holidays are stressful. I know there's going to be a lot of food. So have a plan. The first thing's first. I'm going to start exercising and getting into my routine today. I'm not going to wait until January 1st. Because uh, that way, you think about how much better you'll feel. Um, just even the mere fact and successful, just you, you don't have to go to the gym and run, you know, two hours on the treadmill. You could go take a walk. Um, you can, you know, maybe stretch, do some stretches or put on a video or, you know, fit TV, you know, whatever. Just to and do something every day that's for yourself. Uh, whether it's you know going to a yoga class or meditating or doing something you know to kind of stop everything, reflect on your day, and then move forward. But uh, that's the first thing I tell people is don't uh, don't tell yourself, well, I'm going to eat now and then and then after the holidays, you know, start my routine. Then you have to kind of practice consistency all the way through. If this this is good practice for um, dealing with stress to deal with it now. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I mean, what are some what are some other strategies uh, or tips that can help people avoid that trap of emotional eating? Mm-hmm. Okay, so practically, what I you know, again, I, I'm assuming that these are people who are just kind of overeating all the time because those who are struggling with undereating, malnourished, you know, anorexia, it would be different strategies because uh, we don't want them to be too rigid and strict with food. But for those who do have emotional eating issues, the first thing I you know say is. You know, practice balance, variety, and moderation. What does that mean? You know you're going to go to a, t- a party. Uh, you know that there's going to be a plethora of food. And, and so kind of in your head say, yeah, I'm going to have that one cookie or I'm going to have, you know, that, that my favorite dessert or I'm going to pick one thing that I'm going to eat 
but I'm going to balance it out with some fruits and vegetables, uh, with some other healthier choices. In fact, maybe for your own um, holiday dinner, you'll prepare those healthier choices. Uh, and you know, you'll have those available to eat as well as some other of the foods. But I always try to remind my, even myself, I'll say, there's no need to have three or five desserts. First, after if I eat those desserts, I don't feel good after I eat them. I feel full. I feel kind of miserable. It, it's, it doesn't feel good. So I always try to think, if I eat these five desserts, I'm not going to feel good. So, but I'm going to have a little bite of every one of them because that, you know, that's reasonable. That's that's practicing balanced variety and moderation. The other thing I try to do is really, and, and this is what I also talk about in my groups, is balancing sleep and exercise. Don't compromise those. So how am I going to get my sleep in? Drinking a lot of water uh, and, you know, exercising, keeping that, you know, and whatever that looks like. Again, it doesn't have to be high-powered lifting of weights. It could be taking walks. So really incorporating those strategies is very important. And then making a, you know, sometimes people say, well, eat a meal before you go to the party. For me, that doesn't work because then I just eat more at the party. Especially if they have big plates, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll eat at home and then I end up eating more. So I just kind of, in my head, say, wow, these are going to be some good foods and I'm going to really love them. And I'm not going to restrict myself because if I tell myself I can't have anything, um, then I eat, end up eating more. But what I try to do is just monitor my portions and really try to pay attention. You know, I'm really full. You know, yeah, wow, that, you know, you know, that crab dip is really good, but I'm really full. I'm going to take a little bit of a break. So it's just having those plans in place, strategies for you in place, yeah, before you go so that you can um, at least try your best because what happens is the emotions and the excitement of being around the socializing, uh, we lose track of what we've ate. So if we could just have that in place before we get, at least that's the, the right step. And then you know what? If you overeat or if you find yourself emotionally eating, just, you know, don't shame yourself or, you know, beat up on yourself. Just say, you know what? I'll just, you know, we'll get back on track tomorrow and we'll, I'll try again tomorrow. Um, but it's just taking one step at a time. Well, and I think those are some great suggestions, and we have we have a comment that's that's come in via the email from one of our listeners that says, just wanted to share. It says, I was very excited to see the topic on your show uh, uh, just before the holidays. This year, my 15-year-old daughter suggested that we incorporate some ingredients in our cooking uh, that she read about recently online, uh, something that would make our holiday meals more... I'm sorry, uh, less caloric, for example. So they're recommending uh, stevia, I think it's S-T-E-V-I-A, instead of sugar in our pies and sweets, olive oil instead of butter uh, uh, and cooking oil, and sprouted bread instead of traditional dinner rolls, sweet potatoes and fresh green beans, fresh juices and green tea. It says, I'm inspired to clean out the fridge and continue this routine throughout the year, and I'm very happy that my 15-year-old daughter is the one suggesting it. I think that's wonderful. I do. I think that sometimes we do things the same just because it's been done, and we don't oftentimes uh, recognize that there are other ways to make uh, meals or entrees or whatever it may be healthier. And we can make those little alterations that can make a big difference in our, you know, in the calories that we consume. I know that um, 
for just for instance, my my mother makes a dish uh, with like green beans, you know, and I in one year and she makes it with bacon and puts a lot of bacon fat in it. And I said, Mom, why are you making that with all that bacon fat? She goes, Oh, well, that's how your my grandmother did it, and her my grandmother did it, and you know, and yes, there are those traditional, uh, historical, you know, meals that have been passed down. But sometimes I think we have to take a step look and say, you know, what is a healthier way to make these meals, uh, and still have that traditional, you know, uh, entree available for us. I think we just need to really step back and do that. Sometimes we don't know why we do things. We just do it and and don't recognize that we, there's a different way to do it. Yeah, but I got to tell you, I think I may have had your mother's green beans with the bacon fat, <laughs> yeah. and it was really good. <laughs> well, and that's another way of looking at it. I mean, see, that's a, this is like it's hard discussion to have because I always think that well, so what? It's one day during the year that you're going to have, you know, grandma's green beans. You know, is that okay? Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. it is okay. It is okay because this is the holidays. This is when special foods are made that have been handed down. And this is when, you know, my cho- my grandmother's chocolate pecan pie, um, I will not just have one bite. I will have a full piece, if <laughs> not more, <laughs> during mm-hmm. the holidays because I only get it during Christmas. So that's another thing to put in perspective. Uh, but again, if we keep our, if we keep our lives in balance and we're exercising and we're sleeping and drinking lots of water, I think it all works together. Um, so uh, it, it's a tough discussion to have because I, I know it sounds like I'm contradicting myself. On one hand, be mindful. On another hand, enjoy. <laughs> so I think you can do both. You just have to know yourself and be prepared as you go in. Well, I understand that, but we're talking about the favorite things, but that becomes part of our tradition and part of the meaning of the season for us to be able to get together and to share these wonderful foods and be together as a family. You know, how do the emotions come into play with that, especially, say, you've got, I hate to use the word dysfunctional, but you have a very high-stress situation when you go home, and it seems like they say you can never go home again because you always become that kid. So maybe Mm -hmm. we get back into that emotional eating to just, decrease some of that stress we're feeling of that? Uh, yeah, I think that it is it is important. I know that there's just some things, and probably everyone has in our families, that, that relative or you know mom or dad or whoever saying that one thing that triggers you, and then that's the end, right? We get into this emotional. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go help out in the kitchen and start tasting everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and I know that. I know there's this kind of one thing that my mom will say that will trigger me, and I try to go into it saying, okay, you know, you're going home. I'm going home this, this Christmas. And you know that, that there's this one thing. Just let it go. Moms will right. be moms. Don't let it bother you. You know, you go into, you know, so I try to prepare myself, but then what happens? You get triggered and you blow up. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not sure I'm the best person to (laughs) give you that advice, but what I try to do is, again, try to be prepared, try to let it go, try to say, you know, what is the, try to be a good model. This year I'm going to use the attitude of, I want to be a good model for my children. I'm not going to, you know, blow up at my mom and, you know, get all frustrated because I know she's going to say these things and does it mean she doesn't love me no you know does it mean she doesn't care about you and I think that's where you have to sometimes you have to go deeper than you really you know you have to go really deep into the relationship that you they love you you know there's a lot of love there it's important 
um, and to really focus on that and try to just, you know, blow off the benign things that are happening to keep you from, you know, acting out in stress. So it's kind of like reminding yourself you could have a little bit of that green beans with the bacon that one time because it's only one time a year. You're only going to see your mom at Christmas that one time. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And Exactly. And, and, you know, Dina, that also, you mentioned the thing about contradicting, and I think that plays right into it is, is that it sounds like you're not contradicting yourself. You're kind of talking about the 80-20 rule. You know, mm-hmm. where you're, you're saying, you know, that it, it is okay to do this from time to time. It just, you just can't make it a habit. This this isn't right. something that you can do and carry it out. I mean, the holidays now start in November. You can't take this for six weeks <laughs> and, right. you know, and, and, and not expect there to be some changes. So if, if we stick with kind of the 80-20 rule to where 80% of the time you try to watch what you're doing and 20% of the time, if you splurge a little bit, enjoy it, then you're not going to feel guilty about it. Right, right. Yeah, and because some people can get really rigid with food and and really, you know, in just a lot of self-loathing and self-deprecation because they did have that, you know, piece of chocolate pecan pie. And, and how much fun is that? I mean, then you're in bondage to food and you're trapped by food and it's controlling you. And that's when you get into problems. I think when food controls you, and uh, then I think that we've got a real sense of, uh, a poor relationship with food, and we don't have freedom. It's all about having freedom. Does that mean will, going willy-nilly? No. That means that you can eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, maybe have that chocolate chip cookie because it just came out of the oven, but, you know, save the rest for later. You don't have to have the whole batch. And it's really about, you know, embracing what the holidays are about. Is that including food like you mentioned earlier? Absolutely. Is that about gifts? Sure. But what is the real meaning? And, and those who have, have loved ones far away from them, they know the real meaning because they, it's just having that special person and being able to connect with that person. Uh, and that's where we really have to step back and say that's what's important is really being with the ones you love and connecting with them. And, yeah, avoid, you know, blowing off the, the remarks or the things that trigger you and, you know, but really embracing, you know, that person's with you right. um, and really accepting that as, as part of what's important during the holiday season. And I really appreciate you sharing all that, too, but we're about ready to wrap things up. We're speaking with Dr. Dina Cabrilla with Bermuda Ranch Programs, and I know a lot about the program, but could you explain to everybody else really briefly what Bermuda Ranch does? And, and, and sure, we, we got about 30 seconds. We are programs uh, for eating and anxiety disorders, inpatient care in Arizona and Virginia. We treat those with anorexia, bulimia on an inpatient level. Uh, we also treat obsessive compulsive disorder, and we treat all different um, uh, faiths and backgrounds and uh, difficulties when it comes to eating and OCD. And we're anywhere from 45, 30 to 60 to 90-day length of stay. Okay, so please check out our website, remudaranch.com. I was just going to ask yeah, you that. Yeah, we, we, we were just going to ask you that. So, yeah, it's www.remudaranch.com. RemudaRanch.com. That's R-E-M-U-D-A-R-A-N-C-H.com. The phone number is 1-800-445-1900. Dina, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Th- th- this is the timing's been perfect. We really appreciate your time on this. And have a great, great time you. with your family this holiday season. Remember, it's only one day. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, everyone. (laughs) Yes, thank you. And for everybody else out there, have a great week and seek to catch someone doing something good every day. 
listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza. Alan Cardoza. Only on LA Talk Radio.